that we've been trying to make, the Schiller Institute's trying to make, is that we need to get out of the present international security architecture, which is the idea of a sole superpower, the unipolar world in which Wall Street and the city of London and Brussels dictate policy to the rest of the world. And every nation that resists this, that insists on their own sovereignty, is targeted for regime change, for coups, for assassinations. We've got to sustain a level of excitement about the potential of the American constitutional system and go out as evangelists with that to win people over to recognize that our system gives the people power if the people have the courage and the brains to use it. Carbon 60 or C60 first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C60 not only has a very real potential exciting lifespan, but also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial, formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high-quality, 99.9% pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Harley Schlanger coming back. And this is a really good, kind of intense, but good thought-provoking conversation. You know, I want to warn you, I did uh, stop them in certain places, places because I really want to get some answers to questions, deep, you know, questions I've been thinking deeply about. And I want to talk about that. He has you know, his common points that he makes when he's in his interviews and he wants to get to it, but we've already covered a lot of that. And so I want to make sure that we get to some of these new questions and thoughts and get people thinking. These are the kind of conversations that people need to be having in Congress, that people need to be having all over the country. We need to talk about what it means to have other powerful countries besides the United States. In fact, we need power to be balanced across the world, just like our founders wanted with our country, where the states had more power than the federal government and the people were supposed to have more power than the states. It was supposed to be pushed down to as low as possible to make sure that the balance of power was spread out as much as possible so tyranny can't happen. What happened is they co-opted the whole federal government. People think that the federal government should have all this power. It shouldn't. It should be spread out amongst the states. The city should have more than the state. We really need to get back to that concept, but we need that concept worldwide. That's why having one powerful country or source of power, you know, because there's source of power economically as well as military, that stuff needs to be spread out everywhere so that we're safer, the world's more at peace. 
And we also need to be able to negotiate with people first and foremost. We didn't do any negotiation with Ukraine and Putin. I know that's the point. They don't care. They're tyrants. They want power and they'll get it at all costs. You know, they like their position and they're going to fight to keep it. It's just not a place we want to be. We fought the Revolutionary War so that we can have sovereignty. And they're taking it away from us. And they're taking it away from or not allowing anybody in the world to have it. And that's just not okay. And we should be talking and doing diplomacy first everywhere around the world. And until that doesn't work, or if that doesn't work because we see aggression from the other side, we don't stop doing the the diplomacy. We always do the diplomacy, even if there's aggressive on the other side. But then, you know, if we have to get defensive, then we get defensive only if we have to because we're at risk. But if you haven't done diplomacy, then you have no position. This is just ridiculous what we're doing in Ukraine. We know we're spending all this money, $58 billion or $60 billion. I don't know. It's approaching $60 billion. You know, it's really to protect their wealth and, and a few people, you know, a thousand people. We're spending all this money for them to protect their power and their situation at the expense of everybody else. You know, the American people need to wake up and realize that we're being duped again. It's a big psyop. Yeah, China, we got to be very careful. Are they infiltrating? Are they doing all these things? Yeah, we have to be very careful. But we can't get pulled into another psyop, another, you know, bamboozle of getting us to spend all our money on military. And this is exactly how they do it. So everybody's on this bandwagon against, you know, the Putin and Russia and all these things. And maybe we should be against them. I don't know. We should definitely not be naive and know that they could be tyrants too. But at this point, we're the power. We're the tyrants. I don't want to say we because I don't think I am, but I'm part of this country. And we need to negotiate. And so we don't want to be bamboozled again into war because these people want war against these against China. The same PSYOP that happens all the time against a country is happening now. And they're shutting down media everywhere. And this is the point. Our State Department, our government is paying these agencies in Ukraine to censor and kill journalists. Now they have American citizens on a hit list and of claiming to be terrorists. And they're trying to get it set up so that the UN sees it as a terrorist operation and that they can prosecute and take them out. And this is what we're dealing with right now, that our government has crossed a major line. Not only do they censor journalists and everybody else, now they're actually killing them. And we have evidence of that. And this is not American. This is not who we are. Until we stand up to it and say enough is enough. I know a lot of people are standing up for it, but not enough people are standing. I mean, I'm disillusioned in the sense we have our lawsuit. And all I did is ask people to share our campaign. I probably had 20,000 people who I asked who listened to the show, and I had four people share it. Oh, I sent it out to my newsletter too. So I know thousands and thousands of people I asked to share it, and four people did. So thank you to the four people who shared it. Because we had 33 and now we have like 36 shares or something. So four people, four out of 20, 25,000 people who saw my request, come on, we can do better than that. I'm not asking for you to donate again because if you've already donated, thank you so much. But if you could share it, I mean, and even if you don't have the funds to donate, 
can't you share? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little disillusioned right now because, you know, I'm putting myself way out there to do this. I mean, they're probably laughing at us. We can't even get our act together to even share it with people. I don't know. Maybe they're fixing the numbers. Maybe there was more people that shared it. I don't put that past them either. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, they won't let people comment on my stuff on Facebook because they want to look like I don't have anybody supporting me. And that's just not the truth. I, you know, Facebook caught up to me. I was getting thousands of views. And now it's ratcheted down to like a 100 or something on a video. So I'm not posting very much there anymore. But they're also not letting people comment. I've had a lot of people tell me that they won't let them comment. So it's just the same old game. They want to make it look like we're not being supported. But in this case, I surely hope that you're you're going there and supporting it and sharing it with your social network. But anyways, this is a very important, these are the kind of discussions that we need to have. Harley Schlanger, I'm not sure we have our differences, but I'm, I'm so impressed with his conviction and what he sticks with. And I agree with him that we need to work towards the goal of having peace and having, we have to live with these people on this. We have to share this planet with the Russians and the Chinese. I mean, for us not to at least try to come up with a peaceful negotiation is absolutely ridiculous. So anyways, I hope you listen to this full show. It's very long. So, well, it's an, it's about an hour. So it, it's a long interview I do. It's not over an hour. Those are even longer, but it's pretty long. And Harley and I always have really great discussions. I think it's a kind of a discussion that you don't really get to hear elsewhere. So I, ho- I hope you get a lot out of it. Also, if I didn't ask the questions you wanted to hear, he does take questions and he answers them every Friday on his daily call. And he is always open to talking and discussing with people. So feel free to send him an email, ask him questions, and you know, do your own soul searching. I mean, that's what the point of all this is, is for us to grow and to learn and to figure out how to activate to move and to take action. I mean, that's what I'm doing with the freedom of speech. That's what we're all doing in the group that's suing. We're, we're taking action. We're not just talking about it and complaining about it. We're actually trying to get something done. You know, I'm trying to set up uh, affiliations with three different organizations so that we can have a fundraising situation as we go further. And we are also doing the rounds. Our attorney, Chris Armenta, is getting into doing a lot more interviews as well. So we we really are ramping this up. I know it's a risk putting yourself out there too um, by sharing, but I mean, (laughs) this is, we got to save our country. It, It is what it is. So I hope you will join me in this fight and the others in this fight. It's the most important thing I've ever done in my life. And I hope you join us in this. Okay, let's get into this really important discussion with Harley Schlanger. Harley, welcome back to the program. I'm so glad that you came back. Good to see you, Sarah, even if I'm not seeing you. (laughs) I told you I was going to go on video, and I'm like, oh, not today, I guess. When I have just a million things this morning, I had to get done. But they get to see your beautiful face. (laughs) Anyways, um, this is an important interview and so many of the interviews I do is is important, but you're in the forefront of so many things right now. And I don't know, Harley, how you got yourself so messed up, but I know how you did. You've been, you've been out there telling what you believe and you haven't backed off for years. And that, and I haven't noticed a change in you. You've just been sticking to what you believe. And, and so I want to walk through some of this. You're on a list and 
I want to talk, and I was like, you, you, there was a conference yesterday I joined. I wanted to hear what people had to say about it. And people who are on this list, can you talk about this Ukrainian hit list and how serious it is? Well, there's a, an organization of the Ukrainian government, which is funded by the U.S. government, by the State Department, by the National Endowment for Democracy, and other non-governmental organizations that are actually governmental organizations called the Committee to Combat Disinformation. And this is in the Ukrainian Defense and National Security Department. And they are targeting people who disagree with their fight against Russia. And what I mean by that is they put out a list on uh, June, July 14th of 72 names of people they say are, quote, information terrorists, people who they call war criminals calling for the, the United Nations to adopt this as a legitimate crime, which can be prosecuted. Isn't now, that like, hold on, isn't that like Jane Fonda sitting on the tank during, um, you know, the Vietnam War, and she would be a war criminal at that point. And I mean, it would be absurd. Nobody would think, and I'm not trying to put you in with Jane Fonda. I'm just saying that at that <laughs> point, yeah, I know you don't want to be put in with her. But my point is, is this is how it is. Anybody who was against the Vietnam War at that time, which was almost everyone in the young group, would be considered war criminals. Well, that's an interesting point, because what I think the establishment realized is that many people who were against the war did eventually speak out and have access to change public opinion about the war. They don't want that to happen this time. And so the, the thing, to just go back a step, what is the important thing about this Ukraine war? The Russians tried for a long time to get a negotiation to stop NATO expansion eastward, which they were told would not happen. But we lied to them. We kept moving NATO closer that's right. and closer to the borders of Russia. Now, that's a fact. That's not Putin propaganda. Now, the second point here is that Ukraine was a victim, just like the Soviet Union after it collapsed, of the uh, Western bankers who came in and looted the country. And Ukraine didn't really recover, as Russia did recover because of Putin. But in 2014, there was a coup funded by the same National Endowment for Democracy, by George Soros, by the State Department. Victoria Nuland said, we spent $5 billion to overthrow Yanukovych. And then they stole their whole um, treasury in 2014. Well, they, they're, the stealing. Western bank, yeah. they're still stealing. But what happened is that the people in eastern Ukraine didn't support what was going on in western Ukraine. And they wanted autonomy. Instead, they got shelled. They got shot at. 14,000 people were killed from 2014 to 2022 in eastern Ukraine. Putin kept asking for something to be done. The Ukrainian government signed something called the Minsk Accords in 2015, which was a guarantee for autonomy that would be negotiated between Ukraine and the people of the Donbass. They never did. Zelensky, when he ran for president, said he would fulfill the Minsk Accord. He never did. And so when it became clear that the Ukrainians were going to launch a new offensive into the Donbass, Putin struck. That was the point behind the special military operation. Because they were going to, they, there was evidence 
and intelligence to show they were going to do a new offensive. And they have been doing offenses um, over the years. So they knew that this could this was credible. Well, they also knew there were bioweapons labs. Yes, there were. That's proven. So all these factors led to the Russian decision. Now, whether you think Putin was right or not to invade, there is a legitimate case to be made for the security of his nation. But Putin also said he wanted security guarantees for Ukraine. But instead, what was decided to do was to use Ukraine as a battering ram against Russia. Now, what's the bigger issue here? Is it just the people of eastern Ukraine? No, it's that Russia is an opponent of the Great Reset. The Russians will not give up their national sovereignty, which is one of the demands behind the so-called Great Reset, the World Economic Forum's policy, and so on. That nations have to surrender sovereignty to international institutions. The Russians have fought too hard to rebuild their nation to succumb to that. And many other countries in the world don't like that proposal either. If Americans knew that that's what we were doing, I think most Americans would oppose it. That's right. And that's what but we're trying to get out, right? That's what we've been trying to communicate with people for years is, hello, people, wake up. They're trying to take our sovereignty. We saw it with the WHO, and they're still moving forward. We're seeing it everywhere, and we need to wake up because you don't think it's, you know, it, I don't think, and this is what I've been saying lately, people don't realize how bad it could get. Well, and I can get to the, the details on the economy in a minute, but to stick with Ukraine just for a moment. The point that we've been trying to make, the Schiller Institute's trying to make, is that we need to get out of the present international security architecture, which is the idea of a sole superpower, a unipolar world in which Wall Street and the city of London and Brussels dictate policy to the rest of the world. And every nation that would resist this, that insists on their own sovereignty, is targeted for regime change, for coups, for assassinations. Uh, this is what happened with Iraq, to, to Libya, and so on. And so the Russians are not Iraq. They're not Libya. They weren't going to submit. And so the decision was made to use Ukraine as an opportunity to degrade Russia. This is what the Secretary of Defense from Raytheon said at this Rammstein meeting several months ago. Our policy is to weaken and degrade the Russian economy. Yeah, well, what? that's been our policy for, you know, since the Cold War. But I want to say one thing. We are moving towards, and you always say, unipolar world. But I've been thinking a lot about this. And the way that we set up the United States was a balance of powers for that very same reason that if there is one part of our government that has too much power, that it'll erode the entire, all of our freedom. What's happening is that so much has been infiltrated and taken over. We essentially have one power controlling the United States right now through infiltration and blackmail. The important thing is to have a balance of power and the world needs that same thing. If there isn't a balance of power and the power rests in uh, one air, one group, they inevitably become tyrants. And that's what we're seeing, right? I mean, that's, that, that's right. I would say slightly different, though. The, the, I, most people say we need to go from a unipolar to a multipolar world. Well, that assumes you always have to have sides. That's geopolitics. That's identity politics. You always look to, for divisions that you can use to divide and conquer. And that plays into the hand 
of those who want to have a, a supranational government, a so-called new economic order. Instead, what we need is cooperation. We need multilateral treaties. We need bilateral agreements. We need sovereign nations to be able to act in the interest of their people, but in conjunction with the cooperation with other nations that also have sovereign needs. So you're saying not unipolar like Democrats versus Republicans. I'm just trying to relate it to what people can understand. You're saying we need every state to have balance of power. We need balance of power everywhere, which will uh, create a flourishing society for humans across the world. That was the founding father's original idea. That's my point. That's what I want to relate it to, because that's how powerful this is. And that you break up an empire. We fought a war against an empire. We were constantly under attack from that empire in the 19th century. That empire, which was the city of London, the uh, Dutch power, they got us embroiled in two world wars on the European continent in the 20th century. And that unipolar order still exists. That's what Tony Blinken means when he says we have a rules-based order. What kind of rules-based order is this? It's our rules, and it's not your rules and mine. It's the rules of the financial cartels, the insurance cartels, big pharma, and so on. Now, here's one, one thing, just a, a, some evidence of what, what's at stake here. Ukraine has been known as the breadbasket of the world, it's fertile land, best uh, crop yields, and so on. When Zelensky came to power, he carried out a land reform which is similar to what Bill Gates and others are doing to buy up all the land in the United States. They offered really pretty good amount of money to Ukrainian farmers, but who bought up the land? Vanguard, BlackRock, Archer Daniels Midland, Cargill, Continental, the grain cartels. Well, they're claiming that it's China too. It, and and how, how truthful is that? China's not buying much in Ukraine because they're not allowed in. It's oh, the okay. cartels. I, I see. Well, I was thinking the United States, too. Okay, keep going. So I, I'm just talking about Ukraine. Yeah, now. no, that, so, keep going. Zelensky is turning his people into serfs and slaves. Yes, he is. And for whom? For the cartels. They're the ones who are now saying we have to arm Ukraine, even if it harms our own country. I live in Germany. The foreign minister of Germany is a nutcase. She's a hardcore greenie. But she gave a speech the other day in which she said, we're going to fight this war to the end, no matter what my German voters say. But why? Why? What is the real underlying reason for that? Because Ukraine can't be, I mean, they're, state, they're putting their stake in the ground and saying Ukraine is more important than our own countries at this point, or they feel that. Ukraine, if Ukraine falls, we fall. And I would say that, correct me if I'm wrong, it's because of the biowebs labs that are there. It's because it's been the cesspool of their human trafficking operations. It's been their money laundering operations. It's been the headquarters for a lot of their black market operations. Well, that's true. But it's bigger than that, Sarah. Okay, tell me. It's the... It's the we're seeing as the West is collapsing under the pressure of growing debt. That is, since 2008, we've repeatedly made the mistake of bailing out bankrupt firms, creating new volumes of money to bank, back up worthless financial assets. The whole system's collapsing. 
Well, the system's collapsing. The financial system. But do you think that they're using this because they need a war to be able to do their reset, and so they just put this stake down in Ukraine because for, it serves multiple purposes, that being the, the center of all their black market stuff, and they want to protect that, but they also need a war. Well, that's, that's one part of it. That's one part of it. Because Ukraine is known as a corrupt country, a center of money laundering, gun laundering, drug, uh, drug money laundering, and so on. But the other part of it is the anti-Russian policy. Because Russia is not going to go along with this funny money unipolar system. They're not going to give up their sovereignty. And neither will the Chinese, neither will the Indians, neither will the South Africans. There's a, a fascinating thing that happened about two weeks ago that no one in America heard about. Blinken went to South Africa to lecture the South African government that they have to support the sanctions against Russia. And the South African foreign minister said, Mr. Secretary, you may not know this, but we are a sovereign nation. You can't come here and bully us. Now, that's usually not said to the United States, but that's the change that's going on in the world because the Russians decided to stand up against this sole superpower and unipolar order. I think they also learned that they have power because when they fought the WHO health, because who is trying to, the World Health Association organization? South Africa, yeah. Yeah, it's trying, they're trying to do, take over all healthcare in the world and be a health dictatorship is just like they're doing with the financial aspect. And the African nations are the, are the reason that those amendments didn't get passed because they stood up to it. And I think, right. and I think that gave them some, uh, some realization that, hey, we have power here. Well, it's, you know, if you think about what the purpose of government is, it's supposed to be to defend and promote the welfare of its people. Yep. What happens when governments are owned by corporate cartels who decide that government's action should be to defend the interests of those cartels, regardless of what it means for the people? And that's what we're seeing in this Ukraine war. Why would a foreign minister of Germany say, regardless of what my voters think? Because they don't care about the fact that the Germans are probably going to freeze in the dark this winter. Well, think of this, Harley. The amount of money the United States sent to Ukraine, there's people who've been figuring it out. That amount of money would have lifted our people out of poverty, made sure they had food, and took taken care of all of our people. Sure. Just, just yesterday, Tony Blinken showed up in Kiev with another $3 billion package. I know. Now... This is just, just to get back to what we started with, this uh, hit list. The institutions that are pushing these hit lists, and what they're doing is they're putting online names and pictures of people. Uh, there were 72 in the initial list, including Helga Zeppelin-Rouche, including me, including Diane Sayre, who's an independent Senate candidate in New York State, including uh, Scott Ritter, including Senator Rand Paul, what was Rand Paul's crime? Why is he an information terrorist? Because he insisted that we have an inspector general to track the money that goes into Ukraine. <laughs> so he's considered an enemy of the Ukrainian people. Why was I put on the list? They quoted me from an interview I did where I said that the Ukrainian people are being sacrificed by their puppet government for the interests of Wall Street, City of London, and NATO. According to them, that's against the Ukrainian people, and therefore, I'm an information terrorist. That's so incredible. It's so, so incredible. And here's the real point. 
many people were somewhat shocked a few weeks ago when Daria Dugina was blown up in a car bomb in Moscow, probably by Ukrainian uh, special forces. She's on the same list that I'm on. There have been hundreds of journalists put on that list. A number of them have been killed, mostly in since Ukraine. Since then? Since the first 72? No, no, this is before that. Oh, okay. It's the, it's the same institution as uh, uh, Mirot Vorets. The, the, the woman that was just murdered, was she on your 72 list or was she on the, uh, another list? She was on the same, not that list, but the same institution, Mirot Vorets. Okay. The so-called peacekeeper. So there's multiple she lists. That, she was on that list. That's the one that added my name. Okay. When she was killed, on that list, on the Ukrainian government website, they drew a red line through her. Oh my God! And it said liquidated. It's now, like the it's like the Iraq list that we had, except it's you guys. Well, and here's here's something that, that really people should think about, and this is what Scott Ritter was so passionately fighting about when we had him on our press conference. This organization is funded by the U.S. government. On September 1st and 2nd, so just a week ago, they had a conference in Kiev. There were 24 NATO nations represented at that conference, including the U.S. State Department, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, and the head of this organization said, we have to get rid of these information terrorists because they're a threat to humanity. And not a single representative said, are you trying to suppress free speech? Are you trying to control freedom of expression and have a chilling effect on that? Because that's what they're doing. That is what it's what they're doing. They've been doing that all along. I just published a report yesterday showing how deep and wide the federal government has been in suppressing free speech. And that's what our the fundamental point of our lawsuit for October 17th is that the federal government cannot do this and affect free speech. It'll hit your case. It'll hit all, it'll hit all the cases because it's going right at the heart of the government as a state actor affecting other organizations and institutions. Now, how many people know that government funds are going into the hands of, of people who are neo-Nazis, openly neo-Nazis, exactly. who run these institutions in Ukraine to target Americans who don't think this war is a good idea and think it should be settled. That's the issue here. And, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do to protect yourself if a, an armed neo-Nazi is going to come after you, except to expose that that's what's going on and hope that enough people will get the message and, and make sure this thing is shut down. We're calling for this agency to be shut down and calling on the Congress to do it. Now, the problem is, the Congress just voted, the Senate just voted 100 to nothing to name Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. Oh, gosh. And what Scott Ritter said about that is that what it tells him is there are 100 idiots in the U.S. Senate. Well, and they're, or they're, they're controlled. They're blackmailed at some point. They're, right. they're owned. They're owned. But here's the deal i got to ask you is do you believe that you will be targeted for death. I mean, are all of you at risk for that? Well, here's what happened to some journalists who were put on that list previously who lived in Germany. Their names were leaked, their, their social media information was put out, their addresses were leaked, and they were given to Antifa, Antifa. Oh, geez. And in Germany, the Antifa are very violent and dangerous. And they 
tried to burn down the home of one of these journalists. She, she moved to Crimea to be safe. Uh, this is that there are a lot of Ukrainians in, in Germany. There are Ukrainians in the United States, and they now have addresses, information uh, that, that they include hackers because this grouping includes a whole people, bunch of people who are involved in hacking. And keep in mind, this is one of the things where hackers were involved in the RussiaGate story from Ukraine. But to put that in the hands of people who are hostile vicious killers is a threat. I take it seriously. Well, you I, should. And I'm not cavalier about it. I, you know, I, I don't want to be killed by terrorists, but I'm not going to stop telling the truth. And I think the thing that came out of our press conference, uh, and we had a number of people who uh, spoke, who had very interesting things to say, is that we've got to get this message out, that we cannot allow this kind of top-down control to suppress legitimate dialogue and debate in the United States. It, it already has silenced a lot of people. The January 6th hearings was, were designed to scare people. The Biden speech, I think, of, uh, a week ago was designed to create the basis for an escalation of police state control against people who are supposed dissidents. And, you know, Sarah, I asked the question, how can Biden talk about his opponents as semi-fascists? Who's the one arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine? It's not Trump. It's Biden. What I think they're doing is they're just accusing everybody of what, you know, the fascists. They're just turning around and saying others are fascists when they know they're the ones acting like fascists. I mean, they're accusing others of what they're doing. And it's so clear. And the problem is that... The, if you keep this out of the media, for example, so think of this, remember this woman, Nina Jankowicz, who's yep. going to be the counter disinformation czar in the United States. The joke, yeah. You know where she worked? Ukraine. She worked in Kiev, working with something called Stop Fake, which was a neo-Nazi organization oh my designed to attack anyone who said there are neo-Nazis in Ukraine. She worked with them and denied that they were neo-Nazis. And she knew she knew the crimes that they were committing and the atrocities that they were doing, and she didn't care. I mean, that's how awful these people are at their heart. But the good thing is the American people couldn't tolerate that, especially a narcissistic bimbo like her being the face of the Nazi suppression. But they're still preparing. They, they still have this counter-disinformation operation throughout the intelligence community, the State Department, and it's international. And this is the what, what we're fighting against. Now, well, isn't just, that, before you continue, isn't that the only way they can get their agenda done? Because yeah. tyrants, the only way tyrants can do it is by uh, suppressing information and then doing it. And if that doesn't work, then they do it forcefully. Because if people knew what they were actually trying to do, they wouldn't allow them to do it. And that's why, because anybody who has legit goals and agendas that are good for humanity wouldn't be so worried about suppressing everything. Well, and if, if what we're saying is, is so false, why don't you just prove it? That's right. Just prove that we're a bunch of liars, but they can't do it. They don't want the debate. Now, this is where we can transition into the whole question of the economy, because that's the other underlying issue. There was just a conference in Vladivostok in Siberia two days ago 
where you had about 40 nations meeting to discuss the Asian development perspective. And Putin was there. There were people from all over Asia, including India, Pakistan, Vietnam. And what were they talking about? They were talking about investment in rail, in ports, in economic development, in cooperation. And they were talking about the possibility of moving away from the dollar system because of, number one, the, the fragility of the dollar right now internationally because it's uh, the inflation. But secondly, because the having dollars in U.S. banks is dangerous now because they can be seized by sanctions. And so they're looking for alternative uh, ways of trading, of, of carrying out transactions, which include mix of local and national currencies, but it also includes putting something fundamental behind the, the paper money. That is, that it's not just paper and a guarantee that you'll get payment down the road, but actual physical backing to a currency, which is what we had until 1971. Yeah, but they've been planning it for a while because we've seen, you know, I've had Andy Sheckman on and we've been talking, we've seen the others group and the others group has been buying silver at, at such enormous amounts that we were like, who the heck is this others group? And they started appearing about four years ago. So they've been planning this for a while. I, here, here's what I got to get to, because I think this is the concern that people have, is that we, we, I love the idea of, and this is for humanity's sake, we need to get to, an, get to the point, like what the founders wanted for our country, set that up worldwide where the powers, the balance of powers are so flat that humanity can flourish, okay? But here's the concern, is that when China and Russia um, and the BRICS system take over, that it won't be a balance of power where everybody flourishes. It'll be, now suddenly they have the power and we're secondary and it becomes a nightmare. That's what people are being propagandized to believe. Well, here's the point. We still have a military. Now, the military has been weakened by the collapse of our physical economy, but we still have a military. But we also have an enormous capability if we reinvest in it for physical good production, for infrastructure, developing new platforms of infrastructure, so that we could be competitive. The question is, why is one country's improvement a threat to us? After World War II, we were different. We helped rebuild Germany. Remember, Germany was our enemy in World War II. We nuked Japan. We helped them develop again. Yeah, we also took over their bioweapons program and folded it into our military, which is, I mean... There was some bad stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't I'm need to focus saying, on just bad stuff. I agree. It was a different attitude. I'm that, that we didn't see improving... We saw improving Germany as, as a guarantee of security for Europe. Now, after the fall of the Soviet Union... We could have done the same thing with Russia. Russia is a European country. It's got a European culture. It's a very religious country. And yet instead, we sent bankers in to loot the country to the bone. Yeah, that's not right. Okay. And, and, and so, I, so how do we ensure, because this is where I'm at with the China thing, and you've been, you've been preaching this for a couple years, and I'm like, okay, Harley, I want to have an open mind here. 
that China's not here to take us over, Russia's not here to take us over, but they're actually here to create a more balanced world. Nobody trusts the Chinese Communist Party for very good reasons. So anything that happens needs to be a very balanced, thought-out thing where we do not become punished just like we have been treating others in the world. Not me, I'm not, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, how do you do that? This is where you have diplomacy, where you have dialogue. Uh, Let's go back to 2017. Remember the Trump meetings with Xi Jinping? where they were talking about Xi offered to the United States to become part of the Belt and Road Initiative. And Trump was talking about how smart Xi is and how um, advanced China is becoming. There was a potential for something. Now, what got in the way? In 2017, they rewrote the National Defense Authorization Act to say that now that the global war on terror is over, and remember, Billions, hundreds of billions went into the so-called global war on terror. Trillions, really. But when they said that was over, what did they mean? They argued in the National Defense Authorization Act that we're now back in great power challenges against Russia and China. Who drafted that? That was the military-industrial complex. We need an enemy so that we can get the, the trillions of dollars going into defense spending and related spending. And instead of talking to China, talking to Russia, from a position of strength, because we had more strength back then, now after we ran out of Afghanistan with our tail between our legs, while we're saying, well, we'll fight Russia to the last Ukrainian, the world is looking at the United States and saying, you're not so big and powerful anymore. Well, the question is not, are we military powerful enough to destroy the world? We are. The question is, are we smart enough to use our power and our constitutional system to work with other countries for a development perspective? And we're not. Well, if we don't value, hold on, if we don't value the freedom and respect of the individuals in this country, how are we going to respect the value and freedom of people in other countries? I mean, we have a major, I mean, we have to re, we have to retrench here too, because we don't value individual freedom anywhere anymore. Well, and and here's the point. If we continue in this direction, we're not going to have an economy left. We're going to have a chain reaction set of corporate debt defaults, which will affect every single family in the country. We're going to have food shortages. We're going to have power shortages. We already have power shortages in California because of the green policy. If we go with the Biden policy right now of the so-called anti-inflation bill, which is just a green boondoggle, we'll have a few more billionaires worth hundreds of billions more and the majority of the population in poverty. That's happening in Europe right now. So we're going to be forced to make changes. Now, are we going to just shrug our shoulders and say, these guys are too powerful, we can't fight them, they control the media? Or are we going to spread the word that they're the ones who are desperate. And what we're really seeing is that they fear the American people. That's what this January 6th committee yes. is all about. Yeah. They, they fear what happened in 2016 where an outsider got elected. They fear the loss of control of the political prostitutes like Schumer and, and McConnell and others. Well, we've got to make that fear come true. And 
the only way to do that is to fight with ideas. And that's what the Schiller Institute is about. That's why we have our conferences. And that's why they're trying to shut us down. We'll be more powerful if we bring back freedom of the individual and build our country up. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to negotiate from a position of strength is what you're saying. Sure. It's, it's all tied. It's a foundational element of the respect of our Constitution. The Constitution and the respect of the individual is what got us to the place of strength. But let me ask you, this is, and this could be, this could be the propaganda that they're really trying to push. The World Economic Forum wants to control the entire world. It's not just the World Economic Forum. As you know, it's the city of London. It's the globalists. It's this group of financial bankers, central bankers. Okay, well, there has been talk, and it's very well documented, that they want to move this to the east. So is that their propaganda to get us to fight China and Russia? Or is it, and even if it is, we still need to be able to create a balanced power. But how do we reconcile that? Because it's very easy to stir up fear and want everybody to fight the East because they're afraid. You know, I keep coming back to this. They're afraid of the Chinese Communist Party because you look at Mao and how awful he was and how we're just very scared of the Chinese Communist Party coming in and doing the same thing to us as they did to their own people. And so we really need to build up our strength and build up the strength of other countries and make sure there really is a balance to power everywhere. Well, the problem with that is that what they're trying to do is to make NATO a global force. That's what, right. And so they're trying to bring in Australia, bring in Japan, South Korea, uh, and India. But it's not going to work. India is not going to go along. The uh, South Koreans don't want that. The, the question is, is China an expansionist power? Do they have a tendency towards that? Now, if you actually look at reports that are coming out that talk about the Belt and Road Initiative, this idea that it's a debt trap is not true. When the debt can't be paid, they renegotiate. The International Monetary Fund doesn't renegotiate. The Western banks don't renegotiate. Or they do and just make you more in servitude. Yes. Yeah, the Chinese forgive some of the debt. The, but rather than argue China versus the U.S., I think we have to look at this question of what is the American system? And this is where the real issue is right now. When people say, well, China's part of the WEF and Russia's part of the plan, they have a different view than, than Klaus Schwab. They believe in sovereignty. They believe in letting other nations develop. And the, the uh, important question here is how they treat credit. Credit in the West is in the hands of private bankers who run the central banks. And the central banks essentially control what the government does. So we have given the power of the credit and currency to private uh, individuals who don't have the interest of the nation at heart. Now, they're calling the, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, says those people should also have control over spending. Now, that's where you run into opposition from uh, countries like Russia and China. They don't want controlling their spending policy. Well, that's the Jackson Hole annual bankers meeting where they have continued, and we've talked about this, where they continually talk about every year they reinforce the concept that 
they are going to go around governments and decide the spending and the budgets for governments. So essentially, they're taking over countries. And using the green agenda yes. as the hammer to do it. And now we see the green agenda is such a fraud. If you look at the problems in California, you, you look at, well, infrastructure, the Jackson, Mississippi doesn't have clean water. You look at these things and you realize these guys are insane. Greta, how would anybody listen to an angry, autistic Greta Thunberg? Well, she was 16, autistic. She's just up there for emotional appeal. Of but, course. But, but it worked. It, it worked because people bought into do the we have idea to be this stupid? destroying the planet. Do we have to be this stupid? Because this is what I say about the green energy, and, and we do have issues. We have issues with animals becoming extinct. We have issues with pollution. We have a big island in the, the size of Texas and a half in the ocean of trash. I mean, there are, but it's not CO2 problems. Well, and you don't solve it by shutting down industry in the United States and shutting down science. The priorities are wrong. They're not well, serious. The intention is wrong. That's right. The intention is to use this to reduce the world population. Yes. And that's what we're dealing with. And if you know something about Klaus Schwab, you have to know that his closest collaborator is a man who just became the King of England, Prince Charles. Prince Charles worked with Schwab and worked with Mark Carney and worked with Think of BlackRock and the others to push through the idea of the Great Reset at the last climate conference in Glasgow, at the Jackson Hole meetings repeatedly, Prince Charles is the front man for this. Why? Because he says there are too many people on the planet. Well, he's a technocracist, a eugenicist, right? So now do you see the development of Queen, of the Queen dying as, I mean, because he was probably running things behind the scenes anyways, but do you see it as really awful? Or was the Queen like really not doing anything anyways, and Prince Charles was running stuff. I think Prince Charles with the city of London was pretty much in control. You look at the situation in England now, you had this this uh, clown, Boris Johnson, now he's replaced by a, a psychotic lunatic, Liz Truss, who says she's prepared to, to push the nuclear button. Uh, you know, you, you've got this, the degeneration of leaders who are controlled by the people like Schwab, Organizations like the Atlantic Council, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, RAND Corporation, these are the ones writing the scenarios that the politicians gobble up and spit out. Isn't that crazy? It's so bad that I don't understand why we went as a group of humans. I mean, we need to get people uh, informed because we would just move on. Let's just move on without these people. Let's leave them in the dust. But we have so we have a whole group of politicians who are bought and paid for. It's it's maddening. It's like pulling my hair out saying, you are we have toddlers running places where the adults are watching the dumbest, worst things happening and we have to accept it. I mean, it's one thing of being worried about the East taking over power. It's another thing of destroying our own society. That's why people are worried because they think that we're purposely destroying the United States so that the East can take power. That's what people think. And it's a legit thought process because we are purposely destroying our country. But the Chinese are not the ones who are writing the green legislation passed by the Congress. It's ourselves. Yes, exactly. It's self-inflicted wounds. But how can we That's be this stupid? 
Well, that's something that Putin said recently. He said, don't blame me for inflation. Don't blame me for your energy problems. It's your own bad policies. But how can we be this stupid, though? I mean, that's why we think that, I mean, the people who have the most money than God are these bankers who don't care about this country. But why would they purposely destroy our country? I mean, are they this dumb? I mean, they're well, eugenicists, they're cultists. Are they involved in a cult to the point where they can't think straight? Because they're trying, they really believe that the planet, you know, the eugenicists, they're technocracists, they want the planet depopulated so that it works in harmony with the earth and all these other things, instead of unleashing human creativity so that we can live in harmony with the earth through our human creativity and expansion, maybe into the solar system, I don't know. But the point is they won't let that happen. And they really, truly want to kill everybody. But they also want to destroy this country, or at least they're making actions to do it. And it seems that they might be so involved in the, their cult that we're, they're destroying us because they're just lunatics. Well, if you think about what you brought up earlier, eugenicists, the idea of eugenics, these are people who actually believe they're superior. You look at the the movement in the 1920s to restrict immigrants. It was funded by the Harrimans, the Bush family was involved, the family of George Schultz was involved. And what were they saying? They were saying, we don't want to dilute the race. And what did they mean? They meant their power. They were the ones who pushed the radical population control policies, including what became the Planned Parenthood, uh, Margaret Sanger. Uh, they were the ones who supported the Nazis. The Bush family helped to fund Hitler's rise to power. After the war, it was people like Julian Huxley, who was involved in the United Nations, who pushed this population reduction policy, which was thinly disguised eugenics. Only after Hitler, they couldn't call it eugenics, so they started calling it environmentalism. Now, what's happened is that we had it good in the United States for a number of years after World War II, because of the post-war economy, because of the, the Kennedy program, but starting after Kennedy's assassination and then after the dollar was removed from a gold reserve basis in 1971, we've gone downhill. I, I think I sent you the, the report I did on before there was Klaus Schwab, there was Paul Volcker yes. and the 1980s project, which was the trilateral. I posted it. Yeah. And their commitment was to controlled disintegration. Now, they don't worry about the average person. They don't mind if three or four or five billion people die out. They just want to have enough people there so they can live off their labor and live comfortably and keep power. And so they can do whatever they want to do. That's what the oligarchy has always been about. That empire is collapsing now, Sarah, and they're desperate. But they want so to control what they've been wanting to do is expand their empire to include the East and then just have this world empire and control everything. And the East is fighting back. That's right. And why do you think, why do you think they're talking about global NATO to contain China? Why do you think they're funding Ukraine to, to batter Russia? Because they're trying to destroy those alternatives. And I think the American people have been hoodwinked into thinking that the Russians and the Chinese are our enemies. Now, that doesn't mean I agree with everything that the Chinese Well, we can't. Are. And we also can't be naive to think that once they do get into that situation, because they're people too, and we can't 
we can't be naive to think that once somebody gains power that they won't turn around and try to be tyrants as well. That's why the balance of power is so important. Well, but that's also why you fight for classical culture. That's right. Develop a population that actually thinks about our fellow human beings That's as right. lovable creatures who can add to the creative potential for the whole human race. That's right. Okay, so... That's, that's what we need. That, that is what we need. But we're in a situation where our politicians are captured. I don't even know if they're smart. These conversations that me and you are having right now are the conversations they need to be having. And I don't think they're having these level of conversations. I, I can't believe that some of them... But the majority of, maybe half of them are smart enough to have this conversation. I mean, they need to be having these conversations and they need to care. Well, let, let me make a suggestion because I, I think that's the, if you wish to be a cynic, you would have a lot of proof that that's right. However, we also know that there are people who can grasp what you and I are talking about, including people in institutions. That's why we have conferences. And tomorrow, this, this uh, September 10th and 11th, the Schiller Institute is going to be sponsoring a two-day conference where we're going to be bringing together people like the ones you saw in the press conference the other day to talk about developing a new security and new financial architecture to replace the collapsing empire. Now, having a discussion, does that mean it's going to happen? No. But if you get enough people involved in the discussion, and if you get people out of their cynical sense that we're just pawns and we can't do anything, if, if people start thinking we can use this opportunity of the collapse of the, the power of the empire to build an economy based on truly human Judeo-Christian values of cooperation, of economic development, of love for our fellow man. That's right, yes. And, and if you give up the hope that that can happen, then you unleash satanic forces on the earth with, with no counter to it. We can't not, we can't give up hope because we have a next generation that we have to be caring about, right? So the, the, and that's always been my goal for my show is to have intelligent people talking about topics in a meaningful way that people can take action with it. And, and I'm hoping there are, good people out there who are in positions of some kind of authority or some kind of, you know, entrepreneurs are the best action oriented people and people who are in positions of power inside organizations. People are smart. We need to move and, and everybody can do, even if you're, this is what I'm saying. Even if you're in an organization that's completely, completely captured, you can make a difference by being a cog that does not allow certain things to happen. So let me, let me give you a perfect example of that. The last Sunday, there were 100,000 people who marched in Prague, the Czech Republic, against the European Union economic policy and the green policy and the sanctions policy. Two days later, the Czech government, which had been going along with the EU uh, green policy and economic policy, announced they're not going to support the energy policy of the European Union. So 100,000 people going out on the streets change the policy of the government. Now, we saw the same thing in 1989, where starting with 100 people at a church on a, on a uh, Monday night led to hundreds of thousands in the streets in East Germany toppling the communist government of the so-called Democratic Republic. People do have power. We saw it in 2016 in defeating Hillary Clinton. 
although that was an unfinished revolution. So hopefully we've learned something from that. And what we have to do is, is get the best ideas with the best people, mobilizing with humor, with razor-sharp polemics, to challenge our fellow citizens to stop going along to, getting, to get along and join a movement of change. Well, the January 6th trials and the imprisonment is fear for the purpose of not getting people to stand up. That right. is their goal. And that's the goal of, of targeting people like uh, my associates. That's right. Training. And we can't allow that to keep us in the, our homes scared. We cannot allow that. Otherwise, they win. Yeah. Well, you know, the famous saying is that if, if you give up your freedom for the sake of security, you'll have neither. That's exactly right. That's your that's, right. That's the situation we face now. And I, I will say, Sarah, every time I'm on with you, we have a good discussion. And I do get letters. I get emails from lots of your viewers who ask what they can do. And some of them follow through and some of them are momentarily excited. We've got to sustain a level of excitement about the potential of the American constitutional system and go out as evangelists with that to win people over to recognize that our system gives the people power if the people have the courage and the brains to use it. And that's, that's my message. And I, anyone who wants to be a part of that, please write to me. Send me an email. I'll get you the links to get you connected with us. Uh, but but that's, that's what my life is about. And I learned that from Lyndon LaRouche. He, he would have been 100 years old yesterday. And you know, we, we had a, a celebration of his life. And if you look at the writings he did, the, the forecasts, the solutions he proposed, this is our time. So I would urge people, shrug off your cynicism, get out of your chairs, and, and get into the fight. And if you want to be in touch with me, you can. I, I always read the emails. I answer them. Email me at harleysch at gmail.com. That's H-A-R-L-E-Y-S-C-H at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Harley. You're always, and you're an inspiration, and you're always so great to talk to. And it, and this is what we need is these thoughtful, deep conversations. I don't know about deep, but thoughtful, intelligent conversations to try to understand these things. And I hope I ask good questions so that people who are listening can, because I know they're having the same thoughts and questions that I have. I'm hoping I got those questions out. But you also have Friday's show. You have your, I watch all of your shows, by the way, all your daily briefings. And you also take questions and you answer them on Fridays. So if people have more questions, they can send them to you and you'll answer them. That's right. Because I, I think dialogue is key. And, and Sarah, I really enjoy talking to you because I know your heart's in the right place, your mind's in the right place, and your commitment is to the people who watch you and, and communicate with you. So thank you for what you do. Yeah, well, you know, we all have to put in our part because this is for the next generation. It's not about us anymore. Right. We've lived our lives. So let's do it for them. But thank you so much, Harley, and have a good conference this weekend. OK, thank you. See you soon.